What's going on, Military Cashflow family? This is Dan Wynn, and I'm rolling solo today. Uh, Mike's got a prior engagement, so it's going to be me. Um, and we got a great guest today, man. Uh, we got Mark Horton. He's coming on for the second time, two-time offender. And um, if you guys remember the last time, um, he he was managing Airbnbs. He had just kind of started managing Airbnbs. I believe at that time, he was maybe around like, 15 to 18 units or something like that and he's since scaled up he's doubled those numbers while deployed man so he's just been killing and we talk uh, we talk a lot about him scaling right we don't go too much into uh the details we did the last time but we talk more about growing your company and doing it while while active duty and the things that you need to do uh in order to do the same right so uh without further ado let's go ahead and get into the episode Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glassby, and this is the Military Cash Flow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, Military Cashflow family? Today, we got Mark Horton on again for the second time, Mr. Two-Time over here. Um, appreciate you coming back, man. Uh, would you mind re-reminding our audience uh, a little bit about yourself or just will allow you to reintroduce yourself, you know? Hey, man, uh, no problem. So I'm Mark Horton. Um, you know, I'm from the Fort Bragg, Fayetteville area. Um, I'm a National Guard Special Forces, uh, Special Forces Engineer Sergeant. During my time at Fort Bragg during the Q course, I got into real estate investing. Um, and then I linked up with the Five Pillars group, you know, Shelby and Mike. I know both of them have been on your podcast. So I think everyone's familiar with those guys, especially Mike. Um, from there, I became a real estate agent. And then me and my wife started a uh, short-term rental property management company here in Fayetteville. We're a local boots on the ground type company, not like those virtual ones. Um, last time I was on here, I think we were talking about it. I had just started, I got to 10, 12 properties. And, uh, from there, since then we've had grown to 36 properties, all doing this while I was actually deployed for six months. We've added two employees and now we're launching a couple of the companies in the near future, um, and growing out and, and I'm still investing in real estate in the area. Nice. Nice. Love it. Love it. So um, we're going to dig into some of the details. And if, if you guys uh, want to know, I guess, a little bit more of the backstory, like kind of, you know, how he started off and everything like that, make sure to go check out that other episode. So we're kind of going to just do a continuance off of that. We're not going to dig too much into, you know, how you got started and stuff like that, because we've already went over that. Um, I, what I want to talk about is the growth and the scale, like um, especially while doing it uh, while deployed. I know there's a lot of listeners out there that are like, man, I'm going on this deployment. I can't really do anything. I don't want to, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do stuff. Talk, talk to those soldiers, man. What, what, what did, what was that like for you? So um, I think it was quite difficult and there was some overestimating on what I thought I could do because I had previously been to some army schools and at night, you know, when you're stateside, I was able to knock out a bunch of work and still do that. Um, but once we got overseas uh, into the country that we were in, uh, there would be go weeks at a time where I didn't have any internet connection. So that, or I was gone doing training or doing different things where I couldn't communicate as much as I thought. That was me underestimating what I had going on or overestimating my abilities. But um, so what had happened was 
prior to the deployment that started in July and January, me and my wife evaluated our company and we had to make a decision that whether she could manage on her own, you know, 10 to 12 short-term rentals, Airbnbs by herself. If we wanted to grow, we would have to add, get up to about 22 properties to be able to hire someone and still be profitable and, and, and doing well. So we had to make the decision whether we were just going to stay stagnant or we were going to grow and possibly risk it. So we personally made the decision, let's go all in, let's start networking out and let's grow this. Let's see how far we can get. I think we can do this. And by the time that I left for the deployment in July, we were at about 18 properties, 19 properties, which was a little less than our goal, but we had some more high performers. We got actually a couple more luxury units than we thought. So that made up for the difference. By the time I came back, because of all the stuff that I was doing prior to leaving, we were at 36 units. And we added a second employee to it. So now you have me, my wife, and two employees working at full time. And with the because I knew I was going on a deployment, I had to develop systems that would help um, streamline a lot of the stuff, but still keeping the boots on the ground. So one of the things, and a lot of us military people should know, we developed SOPs almost immediately. Um, we, we set up things. So if my wife, who just had a newborn, needed to take some time off, we hand over this stuff and our SOPs were developed to help maintain the, maintain the ship. So uh, the way we looked at everything was, we're going to look at it like if I'm going to be stepping in to drive a vehicle, we just need someone to handle the steering wheel at first. So those were the first SOPs that we developed. From there, and now that I'm back, we're actually starting to develop and write down the list of how to do everything if we need to take a step away for more time. And people can now bring in properties. Now we can hand this over. And I think that was the biggest thing that helped us growing, that we wrote stuff down and people could follow a exact procedures on how to grow. Yeah, man, I think that's a step that's even even you know, in the military, yes, we deal with SOPs all the time, right? But I think that's a step that's often overlooked a little bit. Like, we don't really, we tend to get in the habit of just doing things. And uh, we're not, you know, taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture and understanding, well, if I'm continually doing stuff, and I'm not writing anything, anything down, or I'm not creating these SOPs, how am I going to step away from the business and allow it to continue to run, right? Uh, and, I, and I think that's really, that's really, uh, cool that you identified that early at the beginning, because even myself, I remember, you know, while I was going through this, it, it took me, for some reason, it, it just didn't click at first. I, I knew all these armyisms and I knew all this stuff that I learned in the army and, and I didn't apply it initially. I would just like, go, 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 go. So with that said, um, what, what, was that just something that you just automatically, automatically went to, or was there any like small period there where you're like, oh man, I got to figure this stuff out because I want to step away from the business and I want to scale? Um, I think right off the bat, we had that mindset because I know we talked about in the previous episode that we have a very set goal to where we want to be at the age of 40. So as corny as this sound, man, you backwards plan on everything. And we wanted to set it up at the beginning to be like, this is where we want to be. So, all right, I know in three, four, five years, I need to bring an operational sergeant or someone who's operational that can handle all that stuff. And I take a step back and now I'm looking over that. So, okay, if that's where I need to be at four years, what do I have to do leading it up? I got to start eyeballing someone probably two years out or looking for the type of person that I would want. Um, and I think us doing it immediately, knowing that I was still active duty, I think, or active 
basically active duty because we've talked about it. I've been on 300 plus orders since 2017. Um, continuing those active duty orders, um, guard bumming, as I call it, or as a lot of people call it, uh, I knew I needed to have those systems in. So I think it was a lot of good conversation early on with people who had been in the business for a minute and not letting getting early wins uh, bog me down. Like, oh, I'm doing well. No, I knew where I had to go. So even though I was winning, I was still pushing myself because I wasn't at the goal that I was trying to attain. That's great. That's just the power of goals, man, setting the goals. And just like you said, doing that backwards planning. So you did. So you set the goal. Right. And you jumped from 18 units in July to 36 units basically double your units by the time you returned. Um, and I know your wife had such a large part of that, right? Talk yes. to us about that. How, how did that, you know, how did that go? I mean, you're gone and then she's she's back here hustling with a newborn and like, uh, talk, talk us through that, man. What does that look like? Um, she truly stepped up. Um, you know, it's been a, a learning curve for her because she never had that type of entrepreneur or had the same type of education or same type of like different things that the military or my previous jobs, you know, she was a, a secretary at a chiropractor's office and then went into this. But I think a lot of it was she believed in what we were doing. She saw the potential growth and she believed in me that I would put us on the right direction. So she jumped two feet into it. And, you know, mistakes are made. We're not going to lie. We probably made a mistake. Probably we have made mistakes here and there. I think the difference between her and me and the way we've been able to grow is when we see those mistakes, we don't try to bury them. You know, as soon as some of those mistakes were made, we figured out a way to fix them. We automatically wrote them down, developed them and developed routines to help make sure that that wouldn't help. That wouldn't happen again. You know, it's very easy for a lot of people to blame everyone else or for why there was a fuck up. But I think us taking hundred percent accountability helped us develop and making sure that that doesn't happen no matter how small it is like uh i was just talking to another soldier whose property we manage and there was a review that saying there was gnats on his garbage can and that was on the airbnb review so what did we do on our checklist for our cleaners we made sure hey check the garbage make sure there's no bugs we also told the people who spray the houses every other month hey double check it for this house this house has had an issue in the past I think doing little things like that, addressing them as soon as they happen and not letting them fester is one of the reasons. And because she's been so on top of things, uh, she's been able to learn. She's been up in the Air, uh, Bigger Pockets forum. She's on the Facebook groups. And she's learning also lessons from other people and getting ahead of things. Nice. Nice, man. Now, I, 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 um, you mentioned something earlier that uh, I kind of want to touch on as well, and I wanted to kind of dig into you mentioned, um, you've mentioned it a couple times, actually, your boots on ground, not like other virtual, not like other virtual, I guess, uh, Airbnb um, owners or managers. What, what is the key difference there? And how, like, how do you set yourself so much more apart being boots on ground versus, um, I guess, the virtual aspect? So I think it's the way we're able to get out and deal with calls initially, right? <laughs> For the most part, all of our properties are well-decorated. At the beginning, we bring in professional decorators. We have professional writer who actually writes our Airbnb, our STR descriptions. We have a professional photographer that comes in and takes all the photos. And we do a lot on the back end to make sure when people arrive that it's good. So we know if nothing goes wrong, we're going to get a five-star rating most of the time. The reason boots on the ground we think makes a huge difference and why we have, we're still super host with 36 properties. 
all under one one um, uh, oh. profile. Yeah, is because when there is an issue, we're able to get out and at least have a face to that issue immediately. We're able to go out there, communicate with the guests, build some rapport, and get out there within an hour or two because all my houses are local. And we're able to kind of calm the thing. Even if we can't fix it, what we notice is at least having someone out there and talking with the guests automatically reassures them like, hey, these people are very attentive to their program. They couldn't fix it, but you know what? At least they showed that effort. And that's why we continue to grow is because we've always been able to get out to those properties and us adding more employees helps spread that out a little bit more now. And that's the difference between boots on the ground and virtual. So like if you have one of those virtual companies that aren't local, that don't have the boots on the ground, for them to get someone out, they have to call them out. They have to basically Google or know a handyman and immediately you're going to be charged a call out fee. Some of the, like, I think in this area, it tends to be about 75 to hundred dollars just to get a handyman out there to assess the situation where with us, we can get out there, see it. And if it's something little, we can fix it. And it's no cost to the owners. And that also helps the owners feel more comfortable knowing that not every time there's an issue outside of our normal work hours, they're not going to be charged because we'll get out there. Now there's some big stuff that like, Hey, we automate. If a pipe bursts, I know I can't do anything. I'm going to go out there, turn the water off. They're still not going to get that call out fee, which they would have. And now I can get a plumber in there. And because I have so many properties, I can usually move that guest over to another property and hopefully save a review. Nice man. Nice. I love this. I love it. How you, you know, you got the, you got the flow going on, just moving it to this every, I, I can tell that you have a very detailed SOP, man. Like just yeah. talking through little uh, like snafus or little issues. You're already like, all right, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's very, uh, very deliberate. I love it, man. It's awesome. Um, so you also talked about employees, right? And, and I know that's a key part of scaling. And as we're talking about scaling, we talked about, you know, your wife doing work, putting it in. And now we're talking about the employee piece. Who was your first hire and, you know, how did you decide what their role and responsibilities were going to be to, to enable you to scale faster? So we were scaling so much. And when we knew we were at 18 properties, we already knew there were six more coming. So we've actually made the decision <laughs> to hire two employees at the same time. Uh, the first employee that we hired um, we put out a message to people that we knew and my roommate during the Q course reached out and said, Hey, my wife's looking for a job. Um, can you, can she, you want to interview her? We're like, sure, let's interview her. And she's been absolutely fantastic. We've already bumped her up. We were talking about when he PCSs or gets out, like we want to keep her on staff to be a basically an operation to handle a lot of the different things and put her on a full-time salary. And we just lucked out with the first person that said, yes, she's been absolutely wonderful. So you, you can PCS, sec- but your wife's got to stay, man. So <laughs> yeah. I'll see you, Dalton, but uh, yeah, Lauren's staying here. Um, so, but she's been handling it and she is absolutely uh, amazing. She's been doing a lot of things and I like it her because she really goes after it and she goes above and beyond stuff. She, when she gets a project, like, so one of the things we just did is we put made Google drives for every owner and their property. So we can put all the receipts in each one of their houses. So at the end of the year for taxes, they can have it. She did all that, but then she also was like, Hey, I'm going to do one for our company and for cleaning and organize it for all of us without even asking. And she took that ball and ran with it. And that's like, I, I can't say I did anything special. I got lucky and 
my my roommate during the Q course answered the answered the phone first, and then we brought in the second employee who was actually like a grandma to my wife because my wife's originally from Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, Rayford area. And she was retired. She just wants a job for every four hours, you know, four hours, five hours, like three times a week. And because she's basically family and in a lot of ways, she's in it for the company. So when she goes and checks properties and helps us out, she's not worried about being getting her checks. She's worried about making sure we continue to grow. So us hiring in our immediate circle. Yes. Us hiring in our immediate circle has paid off in dividends so far. That's awesome, man. So, and how long have you had, how long have you had uh, the, the two, uh, two employees? Um, I think we officially hired them right before I left in June. I think they were onboarded like right after the 4th of July. Okay. So I'll just put in a timeline together. So now I see like that tremendously helped scale. That's I'm assuming yes. they were a large part of being able to double, <clears throat> being able to double those numbers um, yes. so fast. Right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, getting properties set up and being able to still maintain our high standard, having people be able to flex out was was fantastic. We asked a lot from them, more than we thought we were going to because we scaled so much, but they ran with it. And now in, you know, both, both of them have jobs. As long as, as, long as we can afford them, they're going to have jobs and we're going to keep them around because they really put out at the beginning. See, that's awesome, man. That's, that's, that's great, man. Sometimes, you know, sometimes hiring people that you know definitely works out. I mean, I guess it's a it's kind of a 50-50 thing to be to be honest. I mean, I've had experiences been hasn't hasn't gone so well, but I mean, hey man, if you can get it to work and it's it's working well for you, then that's that's just awesome. I'm I'm really happy for you there. That's good stuff. All right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our military cash flow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset. We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. And with that said, let's get back into this episode. Moving forward, right? What is, I mean, what are you doing differently now that you have, you've scaled and you've gotten your SOP set? I mean, what's the next measure from here? Like, how do you continue to continue to maximize, you know, what you're doing now? So, uh, so for this year, for the property management slash the whole corporation that we're going to be setting up, we have uh, three things that we really want to attain. It's going to, the first one's going to be repeat guests. Um, we've launched our own website, which has our own direct direct booking 
uh, portion. So you, if you want to skip all the Airbnb fees and have less fees that are charged to you, you can directly to our, our, our direct booking site. So we're going to try to attack getting the repeat customers um, because Airbnb does the advertisement. We're never going to, we personally don't think we'll have the money or it's worth marketing to compete against them. But if we could start implementing things at our properties to help bring them to our website, so the second, third time they visit, they come to our website, we think that'd be very beneficial. Um, the second thing that we're going to really uh, go after is actually already existing Airbnbs. Uh, we have a marketing thing that we're talking about doing. It's going to be very similar. I know you're in the wholesaling, so it's going to be very similar to doing that. Yellow cards to or postcards to people that already have existed. And, you know, you get one for me every month and it's not like wholesalers because there's only so many properties here. Yeah. So sending out 300 postcards every month is pretty cheap uh, comparative to the, some of these wholesalers out there. And then the third thing that we're doing is we're going to be launching our own cleaning company. Um, we're, we, we're definitely going to have a mix between we're still going to keep one of the contracts of companies that we are to use. We're just going to subcontract out some of the cleanings to them because they do a fantastic job. Uh, then we're going to, but our biggest thing is we're going to hire someone to help to manage the day-to-day -day operations right off the bat. We're going to bring them in, put them on salary and absorb them and have them run it while we do the back end stuff. I'm trying to get my hands not too much into that, but just help them grow. And we already have, because of who we we'll work with, we already have some commitments as soon as we launch a company that there'll be some commercial deals over in there. So it's very advantageous to bring the cleaning in-house. Nice, man. So I'm seeing some vertical integration going on, man. Like uh, yeah. right off of the Airbnb, like what's next, what's happening there. So what, what, why cleaning? Right. So, so like, I mean, I know it's a part, it's definitely like an integral part of Airbnb, like getting it done, but why, why add that on for you? Like, what does that, what does that do for your business and help you scale? So the way we looked at it, and actually my friend explained it to me, but the way I originally looked at it is I looked at Airbnb and all the things that we pay out and do as a pie. I have one slice of the pie as the property manager. So what slice of the pie would be to my left and the right? And the thing that we're already doing is we're already inspecting houses after they're turned over. So we know the expectations of cleaning. We actually clean some of the houses at the beginning. So we kind of know the routine. We develop the cleaning um, checklist for the cleaners. We develop a system where we have reports after every cleaning photos are taken and sent to us after every cleaning. So if we just take a little sliver, a little bit more to left or right of our piece that we already have, it'd be more, it would be easier for us to absorb because we already under, uh, already understand a lot of it. And when I was talking to my buddy about it, he said it's part of our core competency is what we were doing. And I was like, oh, that's a word. And, and I looked it up. So we just looked at what our core competency is and cleaning would just be the next easiest step for us to absorb some more. Uh, absorbs more responsibility. But the other part of it is we know even in the properties that we don't manage, a lot of people self-manage, we know a lot of the self-managers. And if they knew there was a cleaning company that was run by someone who continuously has super host status, that has the same expectations that they would, they would probably want to, want to and have already told us that they would use our cleaners. Nice, man. That makes sense. That makes sense, man. Another thing that you mentioned that I wanted to kind of touch on is, uh, is the pre-existing Airbnbs and like that also seems like a piece of vertical integration, even though it's, you know, kind of already nested within your business, but having the website and then trying to, you know, push people through there. What are you doing to, to help push it, push um, repeat guests through there? Is it like, I mean, I imagine you can't 
write that on Airbnb. That's probably a big no-no, right? But I imagine I, maybe it's in your house. Or can, how, explain that. How does that work? So the way we're going to be doing it is just <clears throat> your basic welcome letter. Because we can't, like, the way with Airbnb, I don't I don't want to play games with them. So <laughs> yeah. you can't directly advertise. <laughs> but um, welcome letters, welcome. You know, we this property is managed by Horton State Rentals. If you have any questions, please check out our, our website. And, uh, you know, if there's any other bookings that you need, just like a little comment somewhere in there to help draw that attention. Cause we have a, we have a welcome book when you enter the property. So just reading that, we're going to put a QR code on that front page. So they don't even have to type it in. They can just scan it so they can see the email. So, or they can see the website and it directly takes them to it. And that's kind of our grassroots program. On top of that, um, getting in with some of the traveling nurses that we have repeat event, or repeat customers and just letting them, letting them know, hey, we have a website you can book directly from there. Dude, that's dope, man. So like all this all this great stuff, man, you're scaling, you're doing some vertical integration, you're, you're adding more and more pieces to the pie, man. As an owner, how do you feel about this? Like, I mean, I, I know this has got to feel a certain way because I know like when I start growing and when things start happening to me, like I feel a certain way and how's it maybe shifted a little bit of your mindset or something like that, and especially affected those around you? So I think the biggest thing it shifted is um, personally, I can't be in the trenches as much anymore. Um, you know, I still love going out and working with electrical framing or different, doing different stuff. I got to go change an outlet the other day. I was like, happy I got to do something different because I spend eight, nine hours in front of a computer or talking to people. Um, so I think the biggest lesson learned has been like, hey, I need to get out of the field because an hour of my time is more valuable, me doing other tasks. And so that was kind of hard to learn um, as much as I wanted, wanted to be be knowing what I'm doing, knowing my company, I, I need to pull myself out a little bit and me, do different meetings and stuff. Um, so that's been a, a little bit of a challenge. So that piece of the mind shift, that's like one of the hardest things, dude. Like even now, right. My property manager say like, Oh, we need to change out floors. And, and, and in my mind, I immediately, I'm like, what's, what's the price. And then she tells me the price of 1500. I'm like, man, I can do that for like a thousand, dude. But, like, <laughs> but uh, probably, probably less, you know, probably less than that, you know, just, you know, I can buy the material and do that myself. And I have to continue to take myself back and be like your time versus, you know, time versus money. Like what, what, where's your time best spent at? Right. Um, yeah. I'm assuming you're kind of going through the same thing. Like that's, that's one of those, the hardest things to, to do. And I feel you there, man. Like, Oh yeah, I get to change an outlook. Cause I'm, I'm very hands-on as well, man. So I get that dude. I definitely get that. Yeah. So that, that's, that's been the hardest mm -hmm. mindset change I think with it. Um, you know, it makes me proud that I'm growing something, you know, that that's, seemingly being successful you know we've been you know last year was our first full year we were profitable in a lot of ways um so it was good um knowing that i'm keep adding you know there's a sense of pride to it too personally for me because i you know we i didn't do well in college i didn't do well in high school i was just an athlete i, I got a criminal justice degree so there is a sense of pride of like, hey, man, I never took a business school in my life. I just have a bookshelf full of books. I read it, YouTube it and bought a couple of properties and forced myself to figure it out. And, you know, I look at some other people that have tried stuff that educational wise would have the deck stacked against me. And I have, I've continued to outperform them and hopefully I continue to do that. And I think a lot of it would just has to do with my wife 
and the way we operate, trying to be a family company, always trying to do the best. We, we don't put the profit, we, you know, we like to make a good profit, but we're okay with losing a little bit of profit if it means we have the return guests because we're going to make more over long term. So we try to just be good people and we, we put ourselves in other people's shoes, man. We start as investors. So we know how the company we wanted to invest with would want to be. So if we always put that in our mindset, it's like, well, if I was in the investor, this is my property. How would I want the, the property management company to act? Because I manage seven of my own properties. So I know how that, that, so, how that feels. So I know you know a lot of other, uh, I'm sure there's other um, Airbnb managers or uh, short-term rental managers out there that you probably know. Um, and I'm sure there's probably some out there that you know that were not investors, right? How much is that, like how, how big of a difference? Do you see like a large difference between the two, the two types? So I'm, 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 as we're talking, I'm putting a STR 101, short-term rental 101 class together. Nice. And like one of the things I have on there is how, does, how to screen property managers and real estate agents. And I personally believe, unless you know what it's like to have your money on the line, you can't understand what your other clients are going through. Like, and that's how we started. Uh, if you recall, the first two properties we managed were properties I bought. In a different LLC. And so we understood everything that we do. If we do something new, we tried on one of our properties first. So we're not, we're not putting other people's money on the line. And I think that's what people see. It's like, hey, we continue to do things, even when people aren't asking to try to grow, to give people better return on their investment. And people appreciate that family, that small business. You know, I call it a mom and pop. We're like a mom and pop store. We use a lot more technology nowadays with price software and all this. But we're local, we're a small business, we're that mom and pop store that everyone kind of knows. And that's what we want to keep going on. Yeah, man, that's great, dude. That's, I think this kind of ties back into your other comment about education, right? Um, sometimes that experience, well, most times the experience speaks a lot louder than, you know, what traditional education or basically self-education typically beats traditional education, in my opinion, right? You being in the trenches, you actually managing properties, you actually being, you know, kind of a handyman and liking to get your hands dirty. You understand what the bottom line looks like. You understand what that true risk for the, for the property owner is like. So now that you're a service to that property owner, you, you kind of understand like what they're thinking and how to best serve them. So I think that's uh, definitely a key. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely key, man. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. I think it just gives you a different cut and, you know, it gives you a little more edge on the sword when you know what's at risk. Yeah, so so what's what's the next steps in uh, in scaling for you? What does that look like for you? And where do you see yourself going? I know you've did, done some backward planning. Let's hear the, the wild, audacious, hairy goal that you have right now. Because you didn't, I don't think you said that the last time. And yeah. I know, I'm sure that it's been a little bit refining right now. So what, what I'd love to do is for you to announce it and then, once we hit it, once we hit it, we'll bring you back on again and be like, all right, you know. So well, just this year alone, we like to get the 55 properties uh, managed, uh, launch the cleaning company, uh, which is that's going to happen. Um, from, and the reason I'm looking up is because I have it written on my whiteboard right here. So <laughs> anyone that's ever been to a specialized school or anything knows about the whiteboards. I live with whiteboards and Sharpie. Uh, so 55 properties, cleaning company. And then I think the biggest thing we like to push into by Q, the beginning of Q3, quarter three, would be um, opening up at Southern Pines, Pinehurst area. 
Um, we've looked at that area. It's close enough uh, for us to believe that we can maintain that small business sense. Um, we already have people out there that want to do something with us and probably come under our name, but it'll be a different branch. And, you know, back when I originally thought about this, I wanted to be control the whole world, you know, to be the king of the Carolinas, the king to the East Coast. But I think where we will continue to be most successful is just maintaining Fayetteville, Southern Pines, Pinehurst area and keeping that's just keeping the way we do things. I think that's where our scalability is to what we want to accomplish, always being super hosts and top, top, top performers. Nice, man. So with that said, and you talked about Pinehurst and you talked about some of these other areas. Now I'm going to ask some selfish questions, right? So for those of you who don't know out there, uh, my wife just got her assignment list and me and me and Mark was talking about this offline uh, a little bit, but we got our assignment list and we should be, well, we are officially going to Fort Bragg. So I'm extremely excited about that. <laughs> and since I have you on and I can ask these selfish questions, we've been looking at uh, places to we were trying to, you know, do the house hack and buy multifamilies and things, but man, it's not really any multifamily. It doesn't seem like there's multifamilies in places that we actually want to live. Right. No, so with that no. said, if we buy a single family home, we want to ensure that we're going to be able to, you know, use it. It's going to perform after we leave. Right. We, mm-hmm. So we can hold it for a long period of time. Most of the short-term rentals that you, that you are managing, I imagine they're single family homes, correct? uh not anymore we have like a small apartment complex we have four units so we have just about anything from five bedrooms to studio apartments now how well do that well again i'm asking selfish questions here so how well do the single family homes uh perform and in what areas are you seeing them perform the best because that can help us kind of shape where we you know we're, we're starting to look at so single family homes in particular for your price uh, you know, anything near the gates is fantastic. Um, so it's like the Monte Carlo, um, those neighborhoods, a little bit more like West, uh, things off of Cliffdale, Water's Edge is a good neighborhood. Uh, obviously, Haymount is the historic area down there off of Morganton. Those areas do um, very well. These are good places yep. for like families. So what I, basically yes. what I want you to talk to is, yeah, like the person that's PCSing there that kind of wants to do what I'm talking about right now. And like, yes. right, if those I buy are, a single family home, I want to make sure it cash flows as an Airbnb once I move. And I can, yes. I can pass it off to Mark Hort, to the Horton family, you know, and they yes. can manage it properly, right? So so what are, the, what are those yeah. key areas? Those are the areas okay. I would recommend because it's just their location. Um, you know, family-wise, you know, if you were buying just to buy a, 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 a personal house that had no investment, then I would try to push you more towards maybe Hope County, Jack Britt, Sanford, those areas, because you get a nice big house and it's family, good school districts, right? But if you're looking for a little bit of both where you can Airbnb, have a good neighborhood and, and be with a community, um, Yes, those are the areas that I would recommend, uh, in, depending on where your price range is, like Water's Edge is a good area. Um, the Haymount area is a very good area. There's Cumberland Heights, that's a very good area by uh, Masaryk Park, that's, that, that's a good area. Don't go too far, because then you start getting into the, a uh, little bit, it goes down. It's a nice slight <laughs> going down. So let's, let's keep you off there. I wouldn't recommend anything off of um, Murchison, Murch, the Merck, uh, street. So, uh, those usually don't STR very well. Um, 
And then for family areas, I think those are the best areas for family. And then right outside, like I said, if you come out the Yakin Gate, if you push a little bit further, there's a couple of good areas in the right outside the gate. Um, if you're leaving left of the gate, there's some good neighborhoods back there. Excellent, man. Hey, so if you're in the Bragg area, I know we got a lot of Bragg listeners. So if you're in the yes. Bragg area, you're about the PCS to Bragg, uh, like I am, and you're looking for a place that will that will cash flow pretty decently after you leave, because you're not really seeing the multifamilies, then uh, these are some Water's Edge, Haymount, Cumberland Heights, you know, some of these places are some of the, uh, the places you might want to look into. So that's cool. That's good, and, and if you don't remember what they are, just find me afterwards. I'm also a real estate agent and I'll just find the house for you. I'll even get you pre-approved. I got you. I get from start to finish. I got it all. I'll find you the house. I'll get you in there make sure everything's nice. And then when you leave, I'll manage it. I can take care of it all for you. And then I'll find you an agent on your next PCS station as well. Five pillars, man. Five pillars <laughs> in the Horton family, dude. You, you heard it here. You heard it here. So we're definitely going to talk offline as well. So, but that's awesome, man. Like I, I, I love it. Um, for for those um for those around you right that have seen this growth and have seen this scale um what what is it how has it been received <clears throat> or how have you seen it uh, like be been received because i know a lot of people and myself included right when you first start off it takes um a lot of people don't i'm not gonna say believe in what you're doing a lot of people don't really want to talk about what you're doing it's, it's kind of a, one of those yeah, it's kind of a weird situation, right? But then as you continue to grow, things start to change. Um, and, and again, I'm asking selfish questions now. Uh, so what was that like for you? Or so what is first, that like for you? Yeah, so um, I think at first people are like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, oh, you're still, you're still doing active orders, you know, that you're just doing this nice side hustle. And then as we continue to grow, uh, I think there's like three types of people as you continue to grow. The people that were with you at the beginning that that encouraged you to do it and that stood with you. Um, those are that's awesome. And there's then there's the people who kind of watched and then as you grow, maybe they thought they were now you're finally at their level. Now they're inviting you out to have lunch with them, and now they're like when you go in for your attorney, now they're actually meeting with you instead of you're just meeting with a paralegal. So things like that, I think that's the second type of person. And then there's the third type of person that, you know, no matter what you, how successful you are, they'll always take those shots at you. Like, oh, STR, property management, oh, that, you know. Oh, you know, they, they always make little snide comments. And, I, and, you know, those are the people that I'm starting to notice that I'm just cutting away from because it's, it, I, I don't care about you. You had the same opportunity as me. And because I actually made the risk of doing it, you fell off, but now you're going to be a dick about it. Um, I, I don't need to deal with you. Um, always make, trying to put me down to your level. So you're just going to go fall. So those are the three people I think that I've noticed as we've gotten a little bit more successful. And, you know, we're not, we are successful in a lot of ways, but we, there's still a lot of room to grow. Uh, I think we can definitely improve. And, you know, people just see a lot of, just see a lot of things and, you know, it, it, sometimes it gets at you like, all right, so that's why you just don't answer the phone anymore when they need help with one of their clients or, hey man, there's, there's resources, hit up bigger pockets if you want that. Yeah, I was, I was just talking to somebody about that today. That's why I asked a question. Uh, I had a person in our Facebook group, um, he reached out and he was asking some questions and we we somehow got, all, got on that, um, <clears throat> got on that topic. And it was, uh, his response I thought was was pretty cool. He's, he's mentioned that, like there's a bunch of different people like that. Um, but 
what what he what we talked about was um, some people just aren't ready to hear or aren't ready to see what you're doing. They're just not in the right mind frame. And then also um, there are also there are a lot of people, especially like family members and things, and even people in the workplace. They view you in a certain way, right? Like that. I mean, they've known you. They've known little Mark since, you know, since, yes. you know, like five years old, that guy's the athlete. He's a jock. He's not a businessman. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. so it's sometimes it's hard to overcome those, uh, you know, those preconceived ideas or things that they have about you. So it's kind of hard to see people in a different light, man. Um, what do you I absolutely what? agree with what you're saying? I, and bro, I was meathead of meatheads back in college and in high school. <laughs> so like, uh, I, you know, I, and it's funny you bring that up. I've gotten, I've gotten some in, like Instagram messages and DMs like, Hey man, this is really impressive. Like I remember when you used to like, you know, smash bottles on your head or whatever. And now you're like running and you're having employees and you're just starting to develop things. I'm like, yeah, it took, and you know, I say the same thing and it's true. Dude. It took me a lot more time to grow up than you did, man. So that's just what happened. And, and I think that's important, right? Um, I think it's important because I know that we have listeners out there that have imposter syndrome, right? And I'm sure you've probably experienced a little bit of that as well, but I think it kind of goes, it kind of goes hand in hand. Some people have imposter syndrome because they've been told their entire lives or, uh, you know, uh, people in their family have viewed them a certain way their entire lives. So when it's time to step outside of that person, that, you know, family or whatever they think, sometimes it feels like, you know, you internal, it's like, man, am I really supposed to be here? Like, is this, is this really where I'm at? You know? So um, I don't know. What, what do you think about that, man? I absolutely agree with it. So and we're actually going to get a little science here. Um, one of my minors was I think in sociology, but what you're explaining is called labeling theory. It's an actual theory that they use in sociology is if you continue to, to tell someone there's something for so long, they're going to live up to the expectation and when they get try to get out of it, they're always going to feel bad about themselves because they're going against the social norms that they're not used to. So, yeah, it, it is something. It's something that does affect people. If you've always just been like the meathead and stuff or you've always been like the you know quiet guy. Now, all of a sudden you're making podcasts and you're doing all this. It's going to feel weird. And I, and I, I absolutely agree with that. Yes, that's cool. I yeah, wanted to have that. uh I guess I had discussion because I, I know there's other people out there that kind of thinking and feeling the same way, man. So hey, if you're out there and you listen, man, you, you felt that here in the heart, man. Hey, this yeah, is your just, time to go and take action and do something. You screw what everybody right, else just, is saying. Just push through, put 10 grand on the house and, um, and, and go buy something and push through. Uh, you're going to be much happier when you go through it and actually start having success, man. Yeah, definitely. Today, today's your day, man. Today's your day to take action and, and go off and go forth and do some great things, man. Change that perception that you, you believe about yourself and that other people have constantly said about you, man. That's, it's just, uh, I guess a little motivation talk for you though. So it's good stuff. Yeah, man. So, um, so you, you came on, man. I, I love everything you're doing. You're scaling, you're, you're setting up the cleaning business. You you're hiring other people. You're affecting other lives, man. You're really, really out there in the community, you know, helping people out. We'll have a conversation uh, offline as well about some, some of those areas that we talked about as well. Again, selfish questions, right? This is one of the advantages of having a podcast. I can kind of, you know, <laughs> say, say what I want to, but, um, but I love everything you're doing, man. Um, but let's, uh, I want to, ask a little bit different question for uh, for ending up the podcast right usually we ask like what's one piece of advice da, 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 da. but this time I want to say I want to ask like um 
if you had to talk to someone else out there that's trying that wants to scale right what are some of the key things that they need to do uh what are some of the key things that they need to do in order to make sure that that's going to be successful uh okay there's a few key things that they need to do i think the first thing they need to do is identify their 20 and 80 percent uh, and what that is, is 20% of the things you usually do make you all your money. So you need to concentrate and make 100% of your time on that 20%. And you need to find ways, especially if you're already successful, and you're trying to scale to hand off that 80%. Um, one of the ways that me and my wife did that is we just monitored everything we did for two weeks on a whiteboard, a big ass whiteboard. And then what we did at the end of two weeks is like, okay, this is taking all of our time. How do we outsource this to one of our employees, developed SOPs. Then we, so now that we have identified the issue, we developed SOPs and then we handed it off to someone else. And now we're concentrating and that task is, is good. We come and check in to make sure it's being done every once in a while correctly. If there's any issues, we tweak it and then we keep moving on. So I think that's how they need to scale is they need to identify their 20 to 80 either 20% to 80%, once you identify those things, develop SOPs, and then find someone to um, uh, do those, those techniques. And I think a great book, if someone wants to, to scale, is uh, Who Not How to Read. That is a fantastic book of hiring or bringing on the person to do small tasks like that instead of how you're going to do it, who's going to do it for you. Nice, Matt. Excellent, excellent advice, man. So identify the 80-20. Um, write down your SOPs and then essentially outsource. Yep. All right. Excellent. Excellent, man. Well, shoot, man, it's been a great conversation. And <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have a, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more offline as well, but, um, how can our guys reach you, man? If they want, if they're moving to the Bragg area and they're like, man, I want to, I want to find uh, a single family home. Cause there's no multifamily homes in the area for my family to live at, you know, <laughs> none. I got like five clients that are pre-approved and we can't find them with thing. <laughs> uh, well, who do we need to reach out to, man? Or how, uh, how do they reach out to you? So you can hit me up at mark at hortonstayrentals.com. That's an email of mine. You can hit up my Instagram. Uh, I think we're going to post that on there. So it's like Mark Horton underscore II uh, for the second because I am the second. Um, if you're interested, also, you can join my Facebook group. It's Burr with four R's and B. So Burr and B Investing. It is a Facebook group that I run. That is a place that I'm trying to grow to have people who are doing burn B. So basically burning into an Airbnb and teaching all their lessons learned, uh, lessons learned. So don't spam it. Don't put your shitty wholesale deals on it. Don't advertise your terrible real estate agent. Don't do any of that. This is for lessons learned. This is for us to work as a community to make better Airbnbs. That's another place you can reach me at. And then we will be launching the burn B investing YouTube page where I'm going to start filming content on that about different things to help improve your Airbnbs, things that you should be doing when you're flipping from a regular rental into an Airbnb, because there's different things that you're going to want to do. So that's another way you can get in contact with me. Damn, I should have brought, I should have talked about that more. Uh, we should have delved into that, man, on the podcast. Maybe next time we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But because uh, I know that's going to be, a, that's a serious thing. We should talk a little bit more about Airbnb, but next time we'll do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, thanks so much for coming on uh, again for the second time. I uh, really appreciate all the knowledge you dropped there. Hey, man. Thank you. And, uh, thank you for having me. Definitely. Hey, uh, with that said, this is Dan Wynn um, 
See, I, I paused there for a second and waited for because you know Mike uses like and Mike Glassby, but, but he's not on today. So, so I'll, I'll just fill in. This is Dan Wynn and Mark Horton. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's do military cash podcast. This, uh, this is Dan Wynn and Mark Horton with the military cash flow signing off. <laughs> that was good, man. That was good. <laughs> <laughs>